Congress returns to Washington after the Thanksgiving break. But what's next in the impeachment inquiry? We'll talk with Republican Congressman Larry Bouchon and Greg Pence. Plus, following in his father's footsteps, we'll sit down with Democrat Andy Jacobs, who's running for Congress himself next year. And we'll have the latest on the race for president, with Mayor Pete Buttigieg picking up a key endorsement from Indiana. Then the governor fighting back amidst a new controversy over Amazon. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. This morning there are still a lot of questions about what comes next in Washington with Congress returning to work on Tuesday from the Thanksgiving recess. House Democrats preparing to hand off a report to the Judiciary Committee in the coming days. That committee has already scheduled a hearing for this coming Wednesday. Today, we're hearing from Indiana lawmakers, including the vice president's brother, Congressman Greg Pence. I'm actually one that doesn't think we'll get to impeachment. I don't think we need to. I think it's a sham. It's, I think the Democrats just want to get rid of the president because they know if he's on the ticket, they'll win more seats. Uh, they'll lose more seats. We'll win more seats back. I noticed yesterday in some of the interviews on tel national television that they seem to be backing off a little bit. So I don't think impeachment's a foregone conclusion. The Judiciary Committee, they're holding uh, hearings. It looks like they're going to allow White House counsel to come in and question witnesses. Uh, so Chairman Nadler is going to use a different approach. Of course, he has a different area of jurisdiction. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. This week, Indiana Congressman Jim Banks said impeachment is unpopular. Banks claims it's losing steam even among Democrats. Earlier this week, I asked Indiana Congressman Larry Bouchon about the impeachment process. We headed towards articles of impeachment in the House. Well, we'll see. You know, I think uh, the public hearings, in my mind, uh, didn't show much more than hearsay testimony and people's opinion. I mean, it's very clear that the administration wanted to focus on uh, corruption in Ukraine. The Obama administration focused on corruption in Ukraine. And so we'll see where it goes. I think that, uh, you know, when it gets over to the Senate, if it does, if it does pass the House, I think there'll be a really hard time finding anything more than hearsay and opinion to show that the president did anything outside of what presidents normally do when they're going to give taxpayer money to a country. You don't believe the president did anything anything wrong? I don't think he did anything illegal that's impeachable. I think that the president, you know, probably in his phone call that he made probably shouldn't have mentioned uh, former Vice President Biden's name. I think that that was a political mistake. Uh, but I don't think it's illegal to investigate corruption. So I, I think it was unfortunate that he mentioned his name in the phone call, but there's nothing impeachable there in my mind. What about censure, if, if that were proposed? Yeah, I mean, I think that could happen. I mean, I think people could do that. I, I don't think it'll go there. I think, the, I think the Democrats uh, will want to do an impeachment vote or nothing. So a censure, I wouldn't support either, because you can't ha hamstring the president of the United States uh, when they're trying to negotiate with foreign countries. Let me just say this. When, when President Obama was in office and House Republicans were in the majority, we were pressured from our right flank to impeach President Obama also. And I didn't support that. And I explained that to people in my district from the right because the president, although he was doing things that they disagreed with, wasn't doing illegal things or things that were impeachable. So I think that's where we were when President Obama was in office. I just think it's unfortunate now 
uh, that they're trying to impeach this president. There were no impeachment hearings or impeachment inquiries. Nothing uh, during right. the Obama administration. That's uh, correct. I want to have you respond to this uh, statement here from Congressman Andre Carson, who said we're getting a more vivid picture of the president's plan to influence the 2020 election in his favor. He said Ambassador Sondland's testimony left no doubt about this very deliberate scheme, sure. in his words. He said it himself, said Carson, everyone was in the loop. Any claims to the contrary don't hold water. What's your response yeah, well, to that? Yeah, what actually happened in the testimony was uh, Ambassador Sondland, at the beginning in his opening statement, said, if you asked me if there was a quid pro quo, I would say yes. However, under cross-examination, he said that he just presumed there was a quid pro quo. Well, in a court of law, or if you're looking at things legally, uh, the presumption of the witness doesn't matter. You know, the president told him specifically that he didn't want anything from Ukraine and didn't want a quid pro quo. So I think from a legal standpoint, you know, even though uh, I think the national news media put what he said in his opening statement, they failed to put what he actually said when they cross-examination examined him, and that was, well, he presumed that. Well, presumptions don't put people in jail in our system, and they don't convict people, or honestly, they don't impeach presidents. We'll see where all of this is headed. And beyond all of that, you also yeah. have, of course, a funding deadline we coming do. up uh, at the end of December. Do you think we're potentially headed to another government shutdown? No, I don't think we'll have a government shutdown. I think both people uh, that are in the negotiations, which is President, Obama, President Trump, I mean, uh, and Nancy Pelosi, those are the two people that have to negotiate this, don't want to shut down. I mean, Senator Schumer's part of it, but basically it's Ms. Pelosi and the president. And the reason I say that can is Can they reach a deal in the midst of everything else? Yeah, I else think they happening. can. I mean, the president and Schumer could reach a deal. You know, they've known each other for decades. But it depends on how the president can work with Ms. Pelosi. And we've encouraged the, the president to continue to work with the uh, House Democrats uh, to get a, a funding deal. I mean, nobody likes just extending the current funding for a few months here and there. So uh, those are the two people that really need to decide, can they work with each other or not? And I think they will, so I don't think there'll be a shutdown. We've seen a couple of House retirements already in the Indiana delegation ahead of 2020. You running again? Yeah, I'm running again, yeah. So I publicly announced that uh, this past summer. I mean, I'm running in 2020. I think uh, as long as I continue to be what I consider to be effective for my constituents, uh, I'm going to run for office, although I do plan to do something after Congress. What that will be, I don't know. But I think it's, uh, you know, an honor and a privilege to do this job. And I think I'm being effective. And we need doctors in Congress. And so, you know, having us there to give our perspective on health care, I think, is important. Dr. Larry Bichon, Congressman, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. you Thanks by. for having me. We are your local election headquarters, and this week we're sitting down with the latest candidate to officially enter this crowded field of candidates in Indiana's 5th Congressional District. There are already a handful of candidates on both sides, and now another Democrat, Andy Jacobs, whose late father served Indiana in Congress for 30 years. We asked him about following in his father's footsteps. I have to acknowledge that it's an advantage, absolutely, and it is an extension of the problem that we have in this country right now with entrenched power. And I struggled with this issue a lot um, because I, I understood how that works in politics from a fairly young age. And, and to make the decision to run was very difficult because of exactly what you're asking me. Is it fair that purely by the random circumstances of birth I have somewhat, you know, for lack of a better word, inherited this name with so much behind it. And the answer is no, it's not fair. 
So I don't want to depend on that. But it was the first time people seriously said, and I kind of I brushed it off. I sort of said, no, it's more of the, the joking about it. But then the, the more I thought about it, the more I, I looked at the trend in the district, where it's becoming more and more Democrat. I believe that Donnelly won Hamilton County, which was huge, won Carmel, which was huge. Um, that gave an indication that it might be worth the time and effort to run the campaign. And so I threw my name in the hat. All right, coming up next, this Sunday in Focus, Mayor Pete Buttigieg getting more scrutiny, but he also lands a big endorsement from an Indiana Democrat. His first, we'll have the latest on the race for president. And Governor Holcomb facing controversy over a new report, making some serious allegations about the state's handling of a workplace death at Amazon. How the governor and his opponents are reacting up next. This week, Hoosiers are mourning the passing of Bill Ruckelshaus, the first head of the EPA. He was among those fired during Watergate as part of the Saturday Night Massacre, Medal of Freedom recipient and the uncle of a current state senator here in Indiana. Well, this week, Governor Eric Holcomb is fighting back against accusations he interfered in the death investigation of an Amazon employee. An investigative report from Reveal claimed he helped shift blame away from Amazon to try and lure the new headquarters to Indy. Our Colby Thielen has more. In a statement, he called the report irresponsible and deliberately misleading. So what exactly are these allegations? Well, the report says an inspector with the Indiana Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, found Amazon responsible for the 2017 death of Philip Terry. Terry was crushed by a forklift at the Amazon Fulfillment Center in Plainfield. The report claims that when Amazon was informed of the investigator's report, a state official with OSHA talked to the company about how to shift the blame to Terry. And it says the inspector faced additional pressure from the state labor commissioner. Leave it alone or resign, he claims, was what he was told. So how does the governor play into this? Well, according to Reveal, the IOSHA inspector said Governor Holcomb was at the meeting with the labor commissioner and didn't want to upset the company they were trying to bring here. The governor says the meeting never took place, adding that he's never been involved in a Department of Labor case. He went on to say, quote, I've never had a meeting with Commissioner Rubel and an IOSHA employee. It's pure fantasy. I don't know what motivated it, uh, but uh, there'll be a proper place and time uh, for us to formally re respond to uh, these heinous lies. All right, Kobe Thielen there with Governor Holcomb's latest reaction. I'm going to turn to our panel right now, Importantville's Adam Wren and Abdul Hakim Shabazz from IndiePolitics.org. Guys, what are the legal and, and political ramifications of all of this? The governor flat out saying he did not have this meeting. Uh, well, the political ramifications, obviously, you know, we're going into 2020, so uh, Democrats will try to make hay of it. Uh, Woody Myers put out a statement, uh, right. Indiana Democratic Party Chairman John Zodi did. Uh, the thing is, that is, what, this Thanksgiving weekend, so how much... You know, it'll, the story will resonate sort of after you know, Monday remains, remains to be seen, unless there's new information uh, that comes out about some alleged you know, inappropriate behavior. Adam, your thoughts on this? For me, two things stick out. The first thing is that the state and city of Indianapolis could go a long way towards transparency by releasing what the actual bid that they put forward for Amazon They haven't was. put out those details. And you know, second, you know, I think regardless of the governor's denial, there are th some things in the this, in this story uh, that weren't fully denied in terms of uh, the state packaging penalties against Amazon in a way that would, uh, would benefit them or at least not take a significant toll on them. So I think there are 
are questions that remain that need to be answered. And Abdul, as you mentioned, uh, Governor Holcomb's potential opponents for next year also putting out statements on this issue. State Senator Eddie Melton saying a special investigation is needed to confirm what role the governor and his administration played throughout this process. Candidate Woody Myers calling for an independent investigation as well, saying, quote, Hoosiers deserve to learn if there was any political interference in this case. Candidate Josh Owens said, quote, the situation is horrible and the governor needs to clarify his role. What is the potential impact, if any, for 2020? Well, like I said, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think necessarily a lot. I mean, the, the Holcomb folks have had a few couple of scandals uh, in the past, but as one of my colleagues called him, you know, Eric Holcomb was kind of like Teflon. You know, it had nothing, there's, there's really been no major scandal, you know, sort of to stick. Now, once again, does this have legs with the governor? I don't think so. Are there questions probably with OSHA that maybe need a little bit more uh, vetted and asking? Sure, but, uh, but I doubt, it is highly unlikely, I believe, having known Eric Holcomb for as long as I have, that he would personally interfere in a situation like this where a Hoosier was killed on the job. You think this has uh, political ramifications for the election? You know, I think we may see a stray bill or two in the state legislature with stronger worker protections that, that, that may have, uh, you know, uh, its day uh, in a committee hearing. But beyond that, I don't think this will, will, will have legs. Okay. Let's talk about the race for president right now in 2020. Mayor Pete Buttigieg facing more scrutiny in the past week, but also picking up his first big endorsement from Indiana, his first congressional endorsement at least. It comes from Indiana Congressman Pete Visklowski, who recently announced his retirement next year, one of a few endorsements the campaign rolled out this past week, as they continue to face more scrutiny now as well. That's that's what happens sometimes when, when you get to the top of the polls. Hey, it's the pioneers who take the arrows. Congratulations, congratulations, you're a front runner now. Um, the, the question is, of course, you know, people just actually doing very well in the polls right now. I think we'll, we'll really see uh, whether he submitted his front runner status in the next Democratic presidential debate. Do well, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, you know, Joe Biden, and then they also ran, start going after Pete Buttigieg, because that's how you can tell who the front runner is, because that's the person all the Democrats on stage go after. He's now moved up to the second place in a national poll, but uh, continues to struggle with African-American voters, uh, had to uh, apologize for some comments that were recently uh, resurfaced. Uh, where does the campaign feel about where they are right now? You know, when they look at the Quinnipiac poll that came out this past week, uh, Buttigieg is actually about 4% with black voters nationwide, ahead of uh, people like Senator Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. So I think that they're comfortable. They believe that they're making inroads as time passes. And, you know, for the first time this week, he is the number one candidate in both Iowa and New Hampshire, two early states. Uh, and so I think that's a, a pretty big achievement for him. His campaign's hold, holding a fundraiser next week here in Indianapolis. And something else to think about, too, and this kind of piggybacks on something yeah. Adam said. Um, with for, for people like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, with all due respect and Duval Patrick, the novelty of a black president has worn off. We have been there. We have done that. And so if those folks are expecting African Americans just to sort of come out in droves, and rally behind them because they're African-American. Sorry, we've seen this movie before. We had eight years of Barack Obama. You're going to have to do something a little different and, you know, as opposed to just because you're African-American, black people will come out and vote for you. The other thing people are talking about now is that the calendar turns to December here is that he's only mayor for one more month and will be able to then focus full-time on the campaign while some of the other Democrats in the race, talking about Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Harris, could be 
facing uh, a situation where they have to be in Washington, D.C. because of the For impeachment, trial. impeachment <laughs> trial. That's right. I mean, Buttigieg could virtually have the campaign trail to himself uh, with just a former Vice President Joe Biden to contend with. We've seen Biden drop in the polls. And uh, this week, uh, starting tomorrow, Buttigieg is going to be dropping a $2 million ad buy in South Carolina, uh, only the second candidate there behind Tom Steyer to be on the airwaves. So whether or not his polls move with African Americans in South Carolina, I think is something we should be watching over the next couple of weeks. Wait, what impact and what advantage do you think that would be for Buttigieg, for Biden, if uh, others, other candidates are in Washington, D.C., hold up with the trial? I mean, if those folks are, you know, and, and here's the thing to keep in mind about a Senate impeachment trial. You don't get to get on the floor and give, like, these great oratory speeches and hopefully get on the, the nightly news. Anybody who remembers the Clinton impeachment trial, you know, you have the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court who overseen everything. People sort of hand questions and a note, and you don't get a whole lot of, of face time unless you're representing, you know, either the president or, you know, or, or the trier of fact. So, but I do think South Carolina is going to be extremely important for people to judge. I'm almost concerned it's going to be like Gettysburg, because if you cannot win African-American voters, you cannot win the Democratic primary. All right, meantime, speaking of impeachment, with the Judiciary Committee set to meet Wednesday, uh, what do you think we'll see next year when it comes to the impeachment process? As you heard earlier, Indiana Congressman Larry Bouchon and other Republicans in Congress really sticking with the president still. Uh, it's a real drip, drip, drip. We learned this past week that uh, President Donald Trump actually knew before he released his statement that a whistleblower uh, had been um, uh, filed a report against him, and only then did he change his public messaging. So To release the aid. That's right, yeah. to release the aid. So we could see this, I think, moving to some sort of compromise where the president is possibly censured. Actually, I'm going a step further. I would not be surprised, as crazy as it sounds, if Donald Trump does not show up for his own impeachment hearing in the House of Representatives. Uh, Representative Gerald Naylor said the president right. stopped complaining. Now, if you got something to say, come to us and say it. Uh, with Donald Trump's ego and the narcissism that is in that man's head, I can see him. You really think he I, might? I would not be surprised be to, 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 to the shock and awe of his lawyers show up because that would be the ultimate reality TV show for Donald Trump. W wouldn't that? What would that look like? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, certainly make some news, I think, for sure. Uh, what else stood out to you this past week here, uh, Indiana politics and beyond, Adam? You know, um, I'm fascinated, uh, I think, by uh, what someone like Repre uh, Representative Andre Carson is going to do in the presidential race. Uh, he really holds a lot of power now as only the second Democrat, uh, a black Democrat in Indiana, uh, to endorse. Is he going to endorse early or is he going to wait till the primary comes to Indiana in May? Also watching uh, Cordelia Lewis Brooks, who was the first Indiana superdelegate to endorse Barack Obama in 2008. Uh, she's had some contact with the Buttigieg campaign. She could really uh, begin to put a lot of his issues with African-Americans to rest by endorsing him. And, of course, Andre Carson has been front and center for the impeachment hearings. Uh, also, Monday, we're going to find out who the speaker-elect is in the House. Yes, uh, House uh, Republicans are expected to caucus Monday afternoon about 2, 2.30. Uh, last time I checked, it's still uh, Todd, uh, Todd Houston, not Todd, Todd Young. Houston from Fishers. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Todd Houston, right. uh, representative from Fishers, okay. is, the, uh, is the front runner. There have been some talk that maybe State Representative Holly Sullivan might have uh, wanted to go for the job. She told me over the weekend. Uh, that's not going to happen, so keep an eye on that. All right, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, legalized marijuana. As other states allow it, some Indiana towns are taking steps to prevent it. Stick around. We'll be right back. This year, another push to raise Indiana's cigarette tax. Right now, Indiana has the lowest cigarette tax in the region at less than a dollar. 
But the American Lung Association and Indiana Chamber of Commerce want lawmakers to increase the tax to $2 per pack. We'll keep you posted. One month from today, recreational marijuana becomes legal in the state of Illinois. And today, some state-licensed businesses in Michigan are opening, while other communities in that state work to ban the drug in their respective towns. Here in Indiana, marijuana is still illegal, but some local governments are looking ahead. Nick McGill has more. As politicians in Washington move forward on historic marijuana legislation, 577 miles away in Pendleton, members of the town council are pulling back. So we're really trying to be proactive in um, sending a message to the legislators that um, if this happens, we want local control over where and how. The Pendleton Town Council approved the first reading of an ordinance that would ban the production and sale of recreational marijuana, a preemptive strike in a state that to this point isn't even close to legalizing. The core principle behind the ordinance is to protect the children. We don't want to make it any easier for them to get their hands on this. Jessica Smith is a town council president. She says the early move is about letting state and federal lawmakers know where they stand should they decide to legalize. We don't want to make it any easier for them to get their hands on this. Um, just like we don't allow liquor stores to set up shop so many feet in front of a school, we want to make sure that the same thing happens. Um, you know, with the recreational marijuana. But other council members say their decision is far from made. We are there for our town. Let's get the input. Let's get the input. Let's get the info to our townspeople. Let them read it. I agree with it as far as the, the kids' sake. Um, it's where it comes into good parenting, right? You have people making laws and probably very few, if any, have ever smoke to join. If marijuana is legalized at the state or federal level, Smith says the ordinance wouldn't prevent residents from using, only preventing sales within town limits. I also asked Congressman Bouchon about this topic and what the impact will be there along the Indiana-Illinois border coming up next month. We have more of that on our website. Just click on In Focus. And we're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. All right, time now for this week's winners and losers. Adam. Winner Pete Buttigieg is winning in Iowa and New Hampshire right now. Losers Alex Exar, the Health and Human Services Secretary, and Medicaid Director Seema Verma. Both of them are squabbling, as Politico reported, and it's preventing an Obamacare replacement uh, bill to come forward from the Trump White House. Absolutely, get the last word. Uh, biggest winner, House Speaker Brian Bosma, leaves with the state of Indiana in a much better place when he became Speaker back in 2004. Uh, biggest loser, ISTA, and all the misinformation they put out on teachers' pay. All right, we'll see you again next Sunday in focus.